Hi, I'm Jeremiah Johnston. Here's the podcast for The Jeremiah Johnston Show. And don't forget, if you want your question read on the live show, go ahead and send it to me at www.askjjj.com. I hope you enjoy the conversation. Hey, Dr. John. Hello. Uh, hello. Uh, well, since you guys are Christian thinkers. Sorry, I just want to leave that question. I wanted to get your input on that. Sure, appreciate it. Thank you. God bless. That's my question. So thanks a bunch. Thank you. Welcome to the Jeremiah Johnston Show. Combining cutting-edge biblical scholarship with meaningful, thought-provoking discussions and practical answers to your questions. It's time to own your faith and be a Christian thinker with our host, author, Bible scholar, apologist, and president of the Christian Thinker Society, Dr. Jeremiah Johnston. Hey, welcome to the Jeremiah Johnston Show on Faith Radio Network. It's a delight to have you joining us today across both Faith Radio Network, wherever you're listening from. You might be listening on one of the radio stations in either the Central or Eastern Time Zone, or you might be some of our significant audience that's listening digitally through the app or through um, the website, wherever you're listening from. I'm just delighted to have you joining this program. If this is the first time that you've been on uh, this program itself, the Jeremiah Johnson Show. Uh, Let me just share a little bit about it with you. This is the program where we take difficult questions about our faith and we apply answers from a biblical worldview through a biblical lens. I happen to believe that we don't need to go to Google anymore to answer these questions. We just need to go to God's Word. Um, But that's much easier said than done because we need to have an appropriate hermeneutic. We need to know how to exegete the Scripture and interpret it in its original context and to draw out those timeless principles for today. And so I'm delighted. That's what I do all day long, every day at Christian Thinkers Society. The mission of our ministry is to help every Christian, every believer, every follower of Jesus, not just your pastor, not just a few Delta Force Christians out there, but every single person love God with their heart, soul, and mind. And step one for you to do that is for you to have this ability to have this conversation with yourself to say, okay, what are the questions that I'm having about my own faith and am I attempting to answer those? I received an amazing letter this week that I just wanted to share with you and paraphrase from a new friend named Jim uh, in northern Michigan who right now is going through my brand new Bible study. I mentioned it a few weeks ago, my brand new Bible study answers to tough questions. And he said to me, Dr. Johnston, I'm reading my Bible totally differently now because of your Bible study answers to tough questions. I find myself going through and writing my questions for God and questions about my faith. I'm writing them down right during my quiet time. Well, Jim, I just I want to thank you for this email. I'm delighted that you're reading your Bible in new and fascinating ways. I mean, I happen to believe, Jim, that the Bible is inexhaustible. We can always learn. We can always grow deeper in our faith. And so um, I'm delighted that that's really kind of a spinoff of this show. I mean, I want you to read your Bible differently as a result of listening to this program and having these very intellectual but also downright practical and applicable conversations. That's what the faith is. There's an intellectual component, but make no mistake, it doesn't stop at the neckline there's very much a practical application. And so that's what I love. We get right to immediate steps on this program. So that's what, that's what you're in for. I do want to just give you um, a reminder that we have numerous shows. So if this is the first time you're joining us on Faith Radio Network or on the podcast, I want to encourage you to check out our archive. We have done some 
fun shows. We've done some fascinating shows. By the way, um, I, uh, <laughs> I love talking archaeology. I'm constantly letting you know about the latest discoveries that are happening right now, not just in Israel, but in the Bible lands, plural, around the Mediterranean. So check it out. I mean, if you ask the question, we set up the show to have the conversation. So again, how do you do that? You can submit that to me at askjjj.com. That's askjjj.com. Well, so many of you have sent in questions that are so sincere about raising up godly young men and women, and specifically young men and women who are committed to living a life of sexual purity, living a life that honors God in the most significant part of our life, in our private life. How do we raise grandchildren and children of character? Well, I've asked my good friend Dave Willis, there's a new book to jump on the program today and have a very important conversation. His book is coming out very soon called Raising Boys Who Respect Girls. He's on the line. He's waiting to have this conversation. We're going to answer many of the questions that you've submitted. How do we raise children um, who respect the God-given image that God has given them, but specifically his book is Raising Boys Who Respect Girls. Stay with us. You're listening to The Jeremiah Johnson Show. I'm back with my friend Dave Willis. Hey, welcome back to the program, everyone. And as I mentioned, I'm so delighted to have Dave Willis joining us today. You probably know him as the television host of Marriage Today. He was an excellent pastor for 13 years, and then God called he and his wife, Ashley, and their family to this amazing organization uh, that helps families um, create relationships, building resources, media and events as part of marriagetoday.com and xomarriage.com. Uh, he's a fellow Texan. They live north of us. I'm in the real south in real Texas down here in Houston. But Dave is joining us uh, from up in Keller. And uh, Dave, it's great to have you on the program today, man. Hey, thanks, Dr. Johnston. It is a pleasure. Pleasure to be here. I am so excited, friends. I've been sent an advanced reader copy of a book that, of course, caught my attention. If you're a parent or a grandparent listening to this show, I want to already tell you you're going to want to listen to it again. Uh, because, again, our guest, Dave Willis, has written a phenomenal book, and I have an advanced reader copy, um, and it's coming out in a matter of weeks, even days. And it's called Raising Boys Who Respect Girls, Upending Locker Room Mentality, Blind Spots, and Unintended Sexism. And Dave is also the author of The Seven Laws of Love. Dave, um, you are a father of four boys. We both have four boys. Um, and I feel like the Lord has uniquely positioned you to write this book. But why this book right now at this point in your career? Because you're doing a lot with marriage and the family. But why a book specifically? And of course, as soon as my my wife saw this book, being a dad of four sons, I was like, oh, we've got to just gobble this up. But why this book right now in your career? Yeah, well, I think it's multifaceted. One, the, the marriage work my wife Ashley and I do, you know, we're working with couples from all over the place. And what we're seeing is a trend that so much of the, the baggage and the pain and the damage and the hurt that modern marriages are facing, a lot of it can be traced back to kind of unhealthy mindsets and attitudes and baggage that that, the, that husband and wife got long before they were married, you know, through childhood, through adolescence. And so a lot of preparing the next generation for marriage really starts with, you know, with some of these lessons. And then specifically the context of, of focusing this message to, to boys and to parents of boys, I'm a dad of four sons, and we're just realizing that our boys are growing up in a time where there's never been more um, sexual confusion and exploitation and mixed messages. And, 
you know, just it's a whole different worldview and technology has changed the game even from when we were growing up. And I just realized I've got to, to get this message right. You know, like if, like I told Ashley one day, if, if, if we raise boys who are outwardly successful in every way, but then like so many of these tragic stories, we, you know, we see on the news with some of, you know, my heroes growing up who ended up behind the scenes being abusers and, and uh, users of women. I said, if our boys are outwardly successful in every way, but, but they're secretly disrespectful to women or objectifying women or, or, you know, sinning sexually or looking at women as objects, then we will have failed because we will not have given them the most important lesson to prepare them for, you know, healthy faith and marriage and family down the road. So really this came out of my heart as a dad more than anything else is like, I wanted to get this right in our own house. And then through Mm. that kind of the book was born. Mm, friends, again, uh, I want you to check out Dave Willis's website if you haven't, DaveWillis.org, speaker, author, relationship coach, and television host of Marriage Today. So how did you go about, you know, I'm an author, and uh, I, how did you, you, God spoke to you, obviously, through his Holy Spirit. You want to get this right in your own home. Those are always the best sermons, in my opinion, the sermons that hit us <laughs> on the home front. Yes. Um, but how did you then, take us through the creative process. I mean, how do you tackle such a significant topic and and at a time that we need this book now more than ever, I think, Dave. And so, again, I applaud you for providing it for the church and for people everywhere. You don't have to be a Christian to read this. Everybody needs to read this book. But um, how did you go about tackling it from a creative process? What were the big ideas that you wanted to make sure you touched on in the book? Well, there were a lot of them. You know, starting from our work in marriage ministry, where you know we talk openly about issues like sex and pornography and um, you know, part of my past testimony is that I'd, I'd struggled with porn from adolescence into early adulthood, and that really, really just put me on this kind of toxic pathway for just reprogramming my mind to not see myself clearly, to not see the opposite sex clearly. And it's something I had to work through over a period of time, and, and even early into our marriage, it was a you know one of the biggest hurdles that we had to work through together. And now, thankfully, it's part of our testimony and not part of our struggle. But we're seeing so many couples facing this, even within the church. It's kind of this huge unspoken elephant in the room that, you know, the the stats, according to Barna, says that 60 percent of Christian men, not just, you know, men out in the world, but three out of five men who claim to be Christian, three out of five men who are in church on Sundays have a current struggle with porn. Wow. And so we're trying to tackle this head on. And as we kind of dove into the research, we're seeing that it, it all starts in adolescence. And what our boys are being exposed to, and just, um, you know, it is, it's everywhere. And even if we're doing everything we can to kind of shield them from it, 95% of, of our sons are going to be exposed to porn before they leave our home. And for many of them, it's going to spiral into some form of pornography addiction. And so I wanted to understand as much as I could from someone who's kind of suffered through it and carry the baggage of it myself, and then now as someone who's trying to help others to overcome it and and get it out of marriages, because I think it's potentially the biggest single toxin that is facing our culture today is is porn. Um, and it starts with what's happening in adolescence. And our kids need to be equipped to know that it's out there. And we've got to be the first ones to start the conversation. But what's happening is so many parents are taking a step back and they're delaying these conversations about sex and relationships and porn with their kids until their kids are already years down this road of hearing the wrong messages or seeing the wrong things. And I wanted to get out in front of it, both for our older kids and for our younger ones who are just, just kind of starting out, to be the first point of contact they have 
about issues related to sex and be the, the, the safest place on earth that they could come to and talk about what they're struggling with. And so that's that was kind of the first and foremost part of the book, and really the rest of the book's message took shape from there. So give us some insight, Dave. Um, this book is so phenomenal, friends, and I, I just love the epilogue, the, the letter that you write to your boys in the back. But start giving us your insights from, I mean, you do this all day long every day now. You're known internationally for your insights to the family. Um, for those out there that have kids or grandkids, you know, so many grandparents now are surrogate parents. That's been my experience. So when is the right age to start having these conversations, Dave? Well, it's it's not just the talk anymore. I think, you know, growing up we always heard, well, if you had the talk with your parents mm, about sex, and we good. thought of it as this kind of one awkward talk where everybody was <laughs> blushing and just trying to survive it. And I think that really we have to look at it not as the talk singular, but as, as the talks plural, just like this ongoing conversation that starts really, really young, and it starts just by celebrating the fact that, you know, hey, like, God made you a boy or God made you a girl, and that's, that is a gift, and, and to start celebrating mm. what that means. And from a very, very early age, you know, like, you know, our, our boys in, in, in the bathtub from a very early age, you know, they, they noticed in their, their anatomical uh, yes. God-given manhood down there, and, and, it's, and they just became fascinated with it, and you started using that as a conversation, like, well, listen— you have that because God made you a boy, and one day you're going to be a man, and, and to start those conversations early and to look for little moments along the way. And I share a lot of stories you know, in the book, but it's usually sooner than we would like to start the conversations. I was at a barbershop with uh, our then seven-year-old, Connor, and he was looking at this magazine with huge eyes, and I hadn't really checked out the magazine because I figured it's a barbershop, <laughs> it's got to be safe, but yeah. he had found a Maxim. Uh, wow. which is a, a pretty provocative, you know, magazine. And it's it's one that shows women in very kind of objectifying poses. And so my seven-year-old is just gawking at these women. I, I kind of grabbed the magazine and kind of used that as a teaching moment, like, you know, hey, buddy, you know, God put within you a desire to be drawn to 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 women and their beauty, and, and that's, a, that's a healthy desire. But to show respect to women and to, to help prepare and safeguard your mind and heart for the wife, one day that you're going to have, like, we, we don't, it's not nice to just, just look at women's bodies like that. And it's not nice to them. And it hurts us too. And, and he says, okay, dad, I think I get it. And so I, I, I go and sit down again and I put the magazine away and I look back and he's got a field and stream magazine open, but his eyes are just as wide as they were before. And so I kind of walk over to check it out again. And this seven-year-old has snuck Maxim inside field and stream <laughs> and is looking again. Yep, and he's yep. like busted, but he's like, but dad, I just like looking at it. And so we, it, we have to just, when those moments come and, you know, and when those moments come, we just got to be ready to, to, to help walk them through that and to yes. do it in a way that shows grace and, and to go from there. And can you just talk about how cool it is that he was able to talk to you about that? I think so many people, um, when they, they can't, I mean, I mean, I, I deal, I've had 30,000 questions and counting from individuals and all kinds of stories and, can you just talk for a moment, Dave, and just wax about the need to have communication in the home, that mom and dad need to be the ones leading out in these conversations and not the other way around and not just not having the conversation? Yeah, especially with, with boys. They're not typically going to just open up and talk about their feelings and their hurts and their fears and their struggles and their sexual temptations. You've got to cultivate that from a really, really early age. And then you've got to just kind of stay on them because, you know, we're, 
we're competing with so much for their attention, you know, the older that they get. And, you know, like I heard a pastor say one time when he was out looking at the night sky and there are all these lights, you know, the moon and the stars and the city in the distance, but the one light he noticed was this firefly because it, it was lighting up right by his face. And he said, his parents, we don't have to be the brightest light in our kids' world. We just have to be the closest. And if we'll be the closest light, just like that firefly, if we'll stay close, if we'll stay engaged with what they're going through, if we'll daily make it part of our rhythm to connect with them one-on-one, um, which is harder in big families, you know, like you have, and, and to some degree like I have with, with four, to, to carve out time each day when it's just me and, and each one of them with no phones, no distractions, which usually happens at bedtime at our house, yeah. and really, really engaged, like how are they doing over time, kind of the cumulative effect of all of those conversations makes you a safe place for them to be able to come with anything. And then, and then I would just say, and don't, don't let your first response ever be like shock or horror, even if you're feeling those things, you know, when they come and tell you a story or ask you a question, but listen and then try to respond in a grace-filled way. And I mean, I will do that with four of my sons, but I don't know if I can do it with my daughter, Dave. <laughs> well, hey, you're on your own with the daughter. I God didn't trust me enough to give me a daughter. I would have loved one. So you know what I'm saying? Like that, the shotguns are coming out. The GPS. I know the sheriff. I'm really close with. You know, all bets are off at that point. Um, friends, we've got to jump to a break, but I just want to remind you: this book is one that I want every single one listening to Faith Radio Network and the Jeremiah Johnston Show podcast to go out and to buy. It's called Raising Boys Who Respect Girls. With all of the Me Too movement that has been so invaluable, shining the light on why we need to be men of God who respect women, with all of the light right now that is being really shined and necessary and important conversations that's going on across culture, we need to know how to first emulate Christ-like character in the home with our own family and our own children. And reading this book is not just going to help you raise up children or grandchildren who respect their God-given qualities and the qualities of everyone around them, but you know what? You're going to become a better Christian yourself because our kids don't do as, I, as we say, they do as we do, right? And so this is such an important book. It's convicting, but it's a blessing. And you can just tell from the author, Dave Willis, that this has come straight from his heart and what the Holy Spirit has done in his, in his heart and life and his mind. And he and Ashley, they're excellent ministry. Again, I want to just encourage you, connect with them on Twitter, at Dave Willis on Twitter. Uh, when we come up, I'm going to, on the other side of the break, I'm going to ask him about specific teaching keys and insights for discussing with our kids about sex. So stay with us. We're going to be right back after this break. I'm talking with Dave Willis. This is the Jeremiah Johnson Show. Dave Willis spent 13 years as a full-time pastor. He's now an, uh, just a phenomenally respected author, relationship coach, speaker, has had a phenomenal pastoral ministry as well, but you've probably seen him as the television host for Marriage Today. He has an excellent, um, just an excellent voice that is so needed today for the family. Um, I want to encourage you to check out all of his materials, but he, we're having this important conversation about his brand new book that's put out by Thomas Nelson Publishers, and the book is titled Raising Boys Who Respect 
respect girls. Dave, um, I want to ask you to just talk, and I know you discussed this at length in your book, but for the, those listening across Faith Radio Network today and on the podcast later, what are the keys to teaching kids, especially boys, about sex? Yeah, I think I think there are a lot of keys. I don't know if there's one single key, but I think one of the keys is just availability, being that first place they come to, and cultivating ongoing conversations. You know, when our, our eighth grade son, Cooper, he's not in eighth grade now, he's in high school, but his first day of eighth grade, he he came home from, from school and we're kind of pressing him, hey man, how was your day? And he wanted to go play video games, but we kept kind of bribing him with Cheetos to keep mm-hmm. the conversation going until finally he just asked this question out of the blue and he said, um do girls really like it when boys text pictures of their private parts to them? And we said, wow. what? what What do you mean? And he said, he said, well, on the bus today, there were these boys, and they were putting their phones down their pants and taking pictures and then showing everybody on the bus and oh laughing and saying, let's text these. Girls love getting pictures like this. And and Cooper said, and, it's, and one tried to show it to me, and I just pushed him out of the way. But they were all laughing about it like it was a normal thing. So I just thought I would ask, like, is this is this normal? And it it created a conversation, a really honest and vulnerable conversation, as he's wrestling with all kinds of fears. He feels like he's been kind of violated as part of this. And we just had to talk to him and say, buddy, listen, that is so, so wrong what those boys were doing. And, you know, first off, it's illegal what they were doing. And then we kind of listed all the reasons why it was wrong and how that is so disrespectful to everyone involved, especially the, you know, the young ladies who would be on the, the receiving end of those kinds of graphic pictures. And and it just created a, a chance for us to remind him of kind of what God says about, you know, about sex, that it's this beautiful gift. It's a beautiful gift designed for the covenant of marriage. But any time we use it outside of that, people get hurt. My wife describes it like a fire in a fireplace. She says, if the fireplace represents marriage and fire represents sex, then as long as that fire stays in the fireplace, it is a gift and it brings warmth and light and heat to, to, the, to the home. But the moment you take that same fire and you start throwing it other places, everybody gets hurt. Everybody mm. gets burned. And uh, my, my wife is, most of the smart things in the book are things that I've heard her say that I just kind of plagiarized. But those little word pictures, um, I think, help our kids get it. It kind of helps the light bulb go off a little bit. You know, there's a, there's a time to have the very anatomical conversations, but a lot of times with the kids, it's just finding finding that example that connects with them, that helps them see that, you know, sex is good. Sometimes, I think especially in, in the church, we've made the mistake of, in an attempt to keep kids away from sexual sin, we we kind of demonize sex, and it's always talked about in this negative light. But sex is a beautiful gift. You know, it's not something that belongs to Satan. Satan has never created anything. He only perverts and distorts that which has been created. And we mm. need to remind him that it is a gift, and it is a gift worth waiting for. And it is, when it's misused, it, it causes so much damage. And that's why the Bible in First Corinthians chapter 6 says, run from sexual sin. You know, no other sin so clearly affects the body as this one does. And God's design for sex, it's a guardrail to keep us from harming ourselves and harming others, and and that's the message we try to keep bringing back. Friends, the guest today is Dave Willis. Um, I want you to connect with his ministry if you have not, marriagetoday.com, exomarriage.com, and of course you can check out him as well uh, because he is the television host of an excellent program called Marriage Today. Both he and his wife, 
Ashley do such phenomenal work for the kingdom of God. You can see why God has called him to this ministry. Um, can you just discuss for a moment, I, I'm fascinated and I have written about from a historical perspective, Dave, the impact that Jesus made for women and children. And I was fascinated by chapter two of your book, Jesus, Respecter of Women. Can you talk about Jesus as our model as the, the respecter of women? Yeah, absolutely. And that that was, um, you know, I, I think that might have been the first chapter that I actually wrote. It's chapter two in the book, like you said, but I wanted to make the standard so clear, because if we don't know what bullseye we're aiming for, then, then we're going to miss. And while you know, I want I want my kids to follow my example. I know that I'm gonna I'm gonna mess up sometimes, and so there has to be a perfect example. So I want to be do what basically Paul said when he said, "Follow me as I follow Christ." Like if I'm not following Christ, I don't want them following me because I'm going to be headed in the wrong direction. But Jesus is always headed in the right direction, and specifically with this area of showing respect to women, you know, he was he was revolutionary. I think out in the secular world, there's this huge misconception that somehow that Christianity is is inherently sexist or against women in some way. I don't believe there was ever a person throughout history that did more to elevate women than Jesus Christ. And through the Gospels, you know, we see this. He was living in a culture and a time when, you know, women were seen essentially as kind of one step above, you know, livestock that you owned. I mean, they didn't have rights. They, they, They couldn't vote. They couldn't speak out uh, in public to any male that wasn't a relative. They, they, they essentially had no rights. They weren't allowed to divorce their husbands, but their husband could give them a certificate of divorce for any reason at all, essentially just shunning them and putting them off you know, to the side. And here Jesus comes along, and he is elevating women. In his parables, so many of the heroes were actually heroines. He was lifting up you know, women throughout the parables as somebody to look to as, as, as a hero of the faith. He, he had deep and meaningful one-on-one conversations with women, both his friends like Mary and Martha, his mother, um, the woman at the well in John chapter 4, which was the longest or second longest recorded one-on-one conversation anywhere in the Gospels. And all throughout, you just see this tenderness and this respect as he elevated women to a way that was even surprising to his own disciples who were coming out of that that culture that kind of held women down. So when you read the Gospels through that lens and you look at the example of Jesus, he really does give us the perfect example of the way a man should treat a woman. Friends, it really, all I can say is amen, and it's in chapter two of Dave Willis's book, and I would just add a P.S. I mean, I, I, in my opinion, as a New Testament scholar, the lasting, one of the lasting legacies of the early Christian movement um, was Jesus's resolve to restore virtue, dignity, and equality to women, and we see this again and again and again, and so if you're a follower of Jesus, and if you're a leader in the church, you just need to remind yourself about the centrality of women in the ministry and life of Jesus. I mean, Dave has put it so well, and all I'd add to it is I, I think it's fascinating in the Gospel of Luke, in Luke chapter 8, 1 through 3, we actually see it was women who provided financially for Jesus's earthly ministry. You mean God didn't just FedEx money from heaven uh, to Jesus? No, no, Jesus actually had real financial needs, and women took care of those. And Luke is doing something there for us in the Greek because those are the very same women in Luke 24 who are the eyewitnesses of the resurrection, the moment. Uh, and so when you think about this, I mean, I think about Mary and Elizabeth and Jesus's incarnation, Anna and his upbringing, Peter's mother-in-law accommodating his ministry, the healing in Luke 7 of the widow of Nain's son. I, I love the passage of Jesus redeeming the sinful woman. Um, there's so many other things, as you already pointed out, the conversation uh, with a woman at the well. I just love that. Um, so again, 
and friends, um, Dave has Dave has outlined this that Jesus really is our example. Um, I want to come. I want to come right now to a question. We could talk all day, Dave, but we receive questions at askjjj.com all the time, and I love to um, give the opportunity for many of our expert guests to answer some of these questions as well. A question that I'm often asked from men and from women, by the way, um, the, can you just talk for a moment about the difference between attraction and lust? Yeah, and that is a great, great question. And I think that a misunderstanding around those two concepts has caused a lot of people to carry this kind of unnecessary guilt and shame um, on one end of the extreme. And on the other end of the extreme has caused maybe a lot of people to to participate in lust while thinking they're doing nothing more than just appreciating someone's attraction when really they're giving birth in their mind to a lot of sinful fantasy. So Um, I think it was Martin Luther hundreds of years ago who had a quote about our thought life, and he said, you know, you can't stop a bird from flying over your head, but you can keep a bird from building a nest in your hair. And he was saying, you know, essentially with our thoughts being like birds, you know, you're you're not in control of what just kind of shoots through your mind, but you are in total control of what you allow to build a nest in your mind. And I would say attraction is kind of like that bird just flying overhead. It's noticing like, wow, that's an attractive person. You know, that's, that's a beautiful person. I can mm-hmm. recognize that she is beautiful and that, you know, God gave her symmetrical features and, you know, and I, I appreciate that. But at the same time, I can recognize that for me to linger um, and gawk at her uh, or, to, or to steal a bunch of quick glances, which are just as bad as one long glance, I need to tell myself to kind of pull away because that woman that God made beautiful is not my wife. And all of my affection and all of my you know, any kind of fantasy or desire as it relates to, to, to sex especially has to be focused completely and exclusively um, on my wife or on the woman who will someday be my wife. And so we we can't just allow noticing someone's attraction turn into lust. And I would say the point that when it really turns into lust is when that person's physical appearance becomes something that is stored away in our mind or that we're trying to store away in our mind as a place where we can recapture that thought or recall that thought for our own fantasies, because um, that's really where lust lives. It's in, you know, it's, it's in sinful fantasy. But just noticing, oh, that's a pretty person doesn't mean you're sinning. But gawking at that person and allowing their image to become a, a real in your mind that's, that's going to potentially play out sinful fantasies, that's certainly lust and that's very destructive. Can you talk about, but that is such a helpful answer. Again, friends, if you're just joining us, our guest today is Dave Willis. His book is brand new book, Raising Boys Who Respect Girls. Can you talk about the other side of that, Dave, when someone does fail, when they lust, how do they rekindle their fellowship with God? Well, I can speak to that from personal experience. And I, you know, it's not a pleasant topic to talk about, but I, I talk about it every chance I get, you know, from from the stage and in the Naked Marriage podcast that my wife Ashley and I do together and, and then certainly within this book. Um, but I had a, a real struggle with pornography um, in the early years of my life. You know, I was I was one of those adolescent boys that, that found porn and it just took root in my mind. And, and the cycle of shame would kind of keep me away for a while, but I would never do the biblical path of healing, which is to confess, repent, find accountability, I didn't do any of those things. I did what pride tells you to do, which is to just deal with it on your own. And on my own, I was kind of isolated in in shame around it. And the shame would keep me away for a little while, but I would always fall back into that same pit. And and the cycle would just continue. Like in Proverbs, it talks about a dog returning to its vomit. It's like this gross thing that you can't 
help yourself but come back to. And I was like that dog, just foolish and seemingly helpless. And what finally put my thought life, you know, back on a path to, you know, to healing and cleansing was, was to do it God's way. You know, and at the time I was I was a newlywed, and finally, you know, this whole situation came out in the open. It should have been out long before. You know, my wife Ashley walked with me through that, though she herself was wounded by my actions. Got accountability in place, um, filtering software on all of our computers. This was long before the days mm-hmm. of cell phones, but you know, on our computer we we had it. Got some some mail accountability around me. And then I did what it says in Romans, you know, 12, chapter 2, which is, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to, you know, to paraphrase, allow the world to squeeze me into its mold by saying this is just entertainment or this is harmless. But I want to allow the Lord to renew my mind so that I can, you know, really know and experience his good and pleasing will. And his, our minds are renewed by his word. So I just mm-hmm. started trying to, like, feast on God's word and and the, every tem, every time I would I would have a temptation, I would try to use that as a trigger to pray. I would use that mm-hmm. as a trigger to go back to God's word to say instead of like fixating on those thoughts that had become so deeply rooted in my thought pattern, like I want to instead you know use the enemy's work against him. It's like every time you remind me of that, I'm gonna I'm gonna be reminded to pray or I'm gonna be reminded to to yes. go back to God's word and allow, allow it to renew my mind. And I think. That's what it takes for anybody who really wants to not only break free from porn, but break free from that lustful thought cycle, even if porn maybe isn't involved. I love it, friends. We've got to jump to a break. He's Dave Willis. We're talking raising boys who respect girls. When we come back, I'm going to ask him specifically about the number one challenge that boys face and how we parents can assist with this. Stay with us. This is the Jeremiah Johnston Show. Welcome back to the Jeremiah Johnson Show. It's great to have you joining us on Faith Radio Network and the podcast, wherever you listen to this show. You might even be listening on Alexa right now, like I was recently on Faith Radio Network. It's so fun to have um, the opportunity to broadcast in so many different digital mediums. So wherever you're listening from, it's a delight to have you. This is a show that helps you think deeply about your faith and answer those difficult questions that often paralyze um, our faith. And so today we're having some some uh, a phenomenal conversation, but we're asking difficult questions as we do every single week on this program. And I'm joined by an expert on the family, on marriage, on children. His name is Dave Willis. He's fabulous. I want to encourage you to go to his website, which is DaveWillis.org. There's a couple websites, or you can check out all the great work he's doing for the Kingdom of Marriage Today.com, and go ahead and give him a follow on Twitter at Dave Willis. Um, but we're talking about his brand new book that's put out in just a few days by Thomas Nelson Publishers. It's called Raising Boys Who Respect Girls. Talk about a phenomenal book for this hour for the church. Um, but I want to get right to our question. It's a difficult question, um, but what is the number one challenge that you're seeing? specifically that boys face, and how can we assist with that as parents and grandparents? It's a great question, and gosh, there, there, are, there, there are a lot of challenges, you know, a lot that we've talked about in the, in the past episodes, a lot that have to do with, with sexual temptation and where porn and technology is leading down a path of just looking at sex as a commodity, and even in Houston, Dr. Johnson, where you're based, they just opened a uh, sex robot brothel, which is oh my incredibly troubling. Um, and and there, it's a trend that that's going to probably start happening more and more and more. And so 
obviously there's a lot related to, to sex, both in the book and as a challenge that boys are facing. But I would say the biggest challenge is actually something broader than that, and it has to do with, with manhood itself. I think that our boys are growing up um, without a clear vision of what it means to be a man, mm. and because of, of kind of all of the kind of the bad press that we see out there from, from some men who've behaved badly, I think that a lot of our boys and adolescent young men are even somewhat, like, embarrassed by the fact that they're a man. Like, they've, they've come to associate manhood or masculinity with these negative connotations. And we've got to help them realize that their God-given masculinity and manhood is a gift. It is a gift to them. It is a gift to the world. And we have to help them understand what that really means and how they can live out their purpose as a man of God. Well, and can you just talk about this for a minute? I mean, remember the Gillette commercial? I mean, we, we can't learn friends to be a man from a Gillette commercial or from Hollywood. I mean, we have this phenomenal guidebook. If you haven't read it in a while, you should. It's called the Bible. Um, we follow the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. His name's Jesus. Um, but can you just talk about for a moment, I mean, there, why is there so much confusion about what masculinity really is? And I, I get that, you know, most most kids are now, sadly, are from homes where there's no father. I'm sure that contributes to it. But I want to ask you for more. Why why is there this masculinity confusion and problem? We're embarrassed about it. We're almost apologetic about it. Well, it's it's really not only masculinity that's under attack, but in a lot of ways, femininity is under attack, too. You know, we live in this culture that wants to erase all the lines um, that make men and women distinct, including the beauty of God-given femininity for women and the beauty of God-given masculinity for men. And so if you look at the brokenness of our culture, the only time, nearly the only time you will see our culture celebrating femininity is when it's a man who's choosing to be feminine. Yeah. It's Gosh. it's you know, it's it's a man who's choosing a lifestyle where he is embracing this this false form of femininity, then it's celebrated. When a woman is really embracing all aspects of femininity, she's often told, No, 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 that's gonna set us back. No, 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 that's 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 the wrong approach. And so it's not only masculinity that's under attack, it, it is I think both, both ends of this beautiful God given spectrum that are under attack. And then gender itself you know, we're we're living in a time where we're having to navigate the discussion, and I talk about this some in the book of, you know, with with so much murkiness in our culture about what does it mean to be a boy, a girl, a man, a woman, and now we think gender is something that we can just define for ourselves. And I believe that that, that whole movement of people wanting to kind of change their gender, change their identity, it stems it stems at its core level of a desire God puts within us, which is to be born again to be reborn in him, to, to experience new birth, new life, and new identity. But Satan is always there to offer counterfeits to the good thing that God has offered to us. And so while Jesus says you must be born again, and that can only happen through him, the culture is trying to create counterfeit opportunities for people to be reborn. And, and a big part of that right now is in being reborn through changing their gender or changing their sexuality or changing you know, changing some aspect of their life related to that. And it's really their soul crying out to want that new life that only Christ can bring, but they're grabbing on to a counterfeit. And so I think for all of us, for our culture, for our sons, for our daughters, it's like you said earlier, Dr. Johnston, it's going back to the truth of God's Word, which is timeless, and it is it is completely relevant to every aspect of our lives. It is living, Amen. it is breathing. And if we will just let God's Word be the lens by which we look at ourselves and by which we judge right and wrong, 
then really we have all the answers already. I want to ask you another tough question because you are very articulate. I'm enjoying this conversation, but I, I receive so many questions and really their stories of people who have been abused by a Christian. And we're having this discussion about raising boys who respect girls. Um, what are some immediate things that you want to share with someone who may be listening to you? Um, and they were abused, but specifically perhaps abused by someone who said they love Jesus. Man, I am, first, I am so sorry. And, and I just, I commend you for, for listening to this conversation, you know, listening to something that is, that is clearly Christian and, and based, based on the Bible when you were wounded by someone in the church, that you, you held on to your faith enough to say, I'm not going to throw all of it away because what that one person did to me does not define God, and it mm. does not define my faith, and it certainly does not speak for God or what He wants for me. But just know as, as someone within the church, as your brother in Christ, like my heart breaks for the wounds that were inflicted on you. Um, mm. And my heart breaks, and, I, and I, I just feel this, this really anger well up inside of me over anyone who would be a wolf in sheep's clothing, who would use their influence as a person of faith, as a leader within the church, to exploit or to manipulate or to use or to abuse yes. and to inflict sexual pain. It is just unspeakable and it is unimaginable. And uh, I, I'm just, I applaud those who've had the courage to tell their story, to help bring these things to light. And I would encourage all churches everywhere and all faith leaders everywhere to listen, listen to those who have been wounded instead of try, never try to cover up anybody's pain or any of these stories. Mm. Healing only happens when something comes out into the light. That's right. The darkness is the devil's business. We've got to bring this out into the light, and we've got to really work to bring healing and to create safe spaces. God's house, God's places of worship should be the safest places on earth for both believers and for seekers, for anyone. A house of prayer for all people, Jesus said. And when that house of prayer becomes a place where there's any kind of exploitation, then I think that anger Jesus showed when he was, you know, flipping over the money changers' tables would be multiplied many times over when we're exploiting children or exploiting women in any way uh, through that kind of sexual abuse. And so, I, I apologize just as, as someone who's been a leader in the church that, that that has happened to anyone, and I would encourage that person who's been victimized to tell your story, to get, um, to get counseling. This is a, a healing journey that's, that's going to take time, and you, you need to make sure that you're taking care of, of you through this journey, and, and a professional Christian counselor is going to be a very vital part of, of that process. Friends, he's Dave Willis, and these are the kind of conversations that we have regularly here on Faith Radio Network on the Jeremiah Johnston Show. And I, I'm praying that his words and, and really the Holy Spirit behind the words is right now being the balm of Gilead in your life. And um, I just think this is something for all our Christian leaders who are listening. We have thousands of you who have God's given you influence. God's given you a platform. Please answer these questions as clearly and as pastorally as you can, just like Dave just did. I, I recently gave a message called Dads Get, Make the Difference, but I wanted to, I wanted to close my message, Dave, with, with this whole notion that when we say, hey, God is our Father, you know, when you tell some people that, like that's the worst possible image <laughs> that could come up is, and for yeah, a lot badly. of reasons. Um, oh man, that's the, I, I think, and so I shared the story of, of Josh and Sean McDowell. Sean's a good friend and of Josh when he's actually said, you know, that's the last thing I need. You know, I have a father who is horrible. I don't need to find out there's one like that in heaven. Um, and yet, um, sharing his story and friends, we don't have time on the show to share it, but it's a, it's a different, it's a different source, a definite source point that I would point you to. Um, when we see that, 
Um, we actually have a heavenly father who loves us with an undying love, a chesed love, it says in the Hebrew over 250 times. I hope you'll never forget that God's love cannot fail because he cannot fail. And that's why Jesus teaches us to call God our Abba Father. All right, we've only got about 75 seconds left. Dave, I've got to ask you the question we ask most of our friends that come on the program, and I hope that you'll come back in the future. I've just loved this conversation. I know the Lord's used it to minister to many people, and I want to encourage everyone to get the book Raising Boys Who Respect Girls by Dave Willis. Dave, what is your unanswered question for God? I ask all of my guests, you know, what, if you could ask Jesus anything yeah. today, what would it be? Man, I, it's hard to narrow it down because, I mean, I have the big questions like, you know, God's sovereignty versus versus free will. I've got the big questions about the, you know, the problem of pain and why it exists. But then I just think of, of dumb stuff like, like, why do men have nipples? And, you know, why are there mosquitoes in Texas the size of birds? And it's, it's stuff like that that is just part of my ADHD brain. So when I get to heaven, I'll have a list of like a thousand random questions that Jesus will probably just laugh at. But I'll be too busy just wanting to see him to even remember the questions, I'm sure. <laughs> that, that's awesome. Okay, friends, he's Dave Willis. I hope he comes back to join us. Dave, God bless you. And we're so excited about this new book, Raising Boys Who Respect Girls. Hey, thanks, Dr. Johnson. It was a pleasure. I'll be back with some final thoughts. This is The Jeremiah Johnson Show. final segment on the Jeremiah Johnston show on Faith Radio Network. It's been such a fantastic conversation today, hasn't it? Don't forget, pick up Dave's book, Raising Boys Who Respect Girls. I'm so thankful as a church community, as followers of Jesus, as brothers and sisters in Christ, we've been blessed with these excellent resources where you don't have to do your faith alone, ladies and gentlemen. That's the great thing about the Christian faith. We don't do it in isolation. We do it in community. We have faith in community. We grow in the grace and knowledge of Christ within a community. And so this is a great resource that I want to encourage you to check out. And go ahead, if you missed any part of the program today, you can listen to it on Faith Radio Network on the Jeremiah Johnson Show website or any of our podcasts. And while you're doing that, go ahead and hit subscribe on that subscribe button wherever you listen to your podcast. I'm so grateful. I'm we literally hear from people every single day at Christian Thinker Society who are checking out this program, and I'm delighted that God's using these words and these conversations in your spiritual life to help you grow to be the Christian that God wants you to be. Um, we do all this stuff so that you can love God with your heart, soul, and mind, so you can be serious and intentional about your faith. Uh, but make no mistake, the end game is not just to know more about the faith, it's for you to know God better. Uh, so I just want to I want to emphasize that to you again. It's it's not so you can be the smartest person in the room. It's so you can have that intimate, wonderful daily walk with our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. We can't do it without Him, can we? Uh, in fact, John fifteen five, Jesus answered the question for us. He said, "Without me, you can't do diddly squat. You can't do anything without Jesus." And so again, that's the purpose. And also, I also really pray for those of you that are listening. Those of you that are participating with Faith Radio in this ministry, I hope that you are being a channel, not a reservoir. God has blessed you with these answers. He's blessed you with this content so you can go out and minister and be a blessing to someone else. Not for it to stop with you. Really, the information begins with you. So ask God to continue to give you those conversations, those connection points, those opportunities where others may be silent, where you can speak up and give a friendly, winsome answer that's going to encourage someone in their walk with Jesus Christ. I want to thank you for praying for me. I just 
just returned uh, this week from speaking at Draw the Net Weekend in Stephenville, Texas. It was a great weekend of outreach. The pastor had led a 60-day purposeful, intentional time of sharing the faith. It was an awesome weekend that we did evangelism. People came to Christ. People got out of their seat and came forward and gave their lives to Jesus Christ. And many people as well uh, who are followers of Jesus were strengthened in their faith through the apologetic teachings. So thank you so much for praying for me. Probably coming to a city near you, so I would encourage you to just connect with us up at christianthinkers.com. Check out our social media, our Facebook, our Twitter, our YouTube channel, Instagram. You can see all kinds of interesting resources that are up there for your benefit. I want to encourage you also please sign up for our email. Um, you often, uh, I, I'm often uh, in a position where I need to remind you of doing that. We put out all kinds of information that we really don't have time to get to on this show uh, through just signing up through our e-newsletter. You can go to christianthinkers.com and you can immediately hit subscribe on our e-newsletter. And don't forget, if you have people that are technically challenged, like so many wonderful Christians I know, you can go to christianthinkers.com and with one click of a button, you can hit listen now and listen to this broadcast. It's an exciting time at Christian Thinkers society and faith radio network it's a joy to have you with us today we'll see you next time Jeremiah Johnston. Thanks for listening to the podcast from the Jeremiah Johnston Show. I definitely want to hear from you, so if you have a follow-up question from today's program, you can submit it to me at www.askjjj.com. You'll also see how you can connect with us from there across social media. And don't forget, these conversations are available because of listener support. And you can make a gift right now to the Faith Radio Network at www.myfaithradio.com. And to avoid missing future editions of The Jeremiah Johnston Show, please subscribe to the podcast at iTunes. You can do a Google Play, RSS feed. And thanks for sharing this audio link with a friend and growing the impact of the program.